0: everyone, I'm Ian McAllister.
1: And I'm Jamie Adams, and this is Brainwaves episode 132, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. Now these are the headlines for the week of the 30th of October, 2023. Wizard summons a TV channel, Hasbro conjures some numbers, and magic transforms its booster pads. All this and more on this spooky episode of Brainwaves. <laughs>
0: Well, that was surprising. I'm not going to make you do that again, because it's quite good. (laughs) Maybe I should inject some Halloween-themed sounds into this episode. You don't have to, I'm just messing about. I like it. it. Over the last few years, we have seen the meteoric rise of actual play channels. These are groups of folk playing role-playing games on camera, some with incredibly high production values. You will likely be familiar with the biggest of these, Critical Role, who play Dungeons & Dragons. With the amount of money the biggest of these channels is pulling in, it was inevitable that large companies would start to turn their eye towards the format and see about getting a piece of the pie. In a piece on-site Polygon, writer Rowan Zioli looks at a new streaming show coming to the D&D Adventures channel. This is an upcoming, free, ad-supported channel that is a collaboration between Wizards of the Coast and Entertainment One. Both of these companies are currently owned by Hasbro, though the sale of Entertainment One to Lionsgate will be completed by the end of 2023. The channel was originally announced back in May of 2023 and was meant to be out over the summer. The intention is to have several actual play shows on it as well as showing legacy content like the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. In the piece, Rowan discusses the upcoming show called Encounter Party with its producer Ned Donnigan and Dungeon Master and co-producer Brian David Judkins. Unlike most actual play shows, Encounter Party will be heavily edited to fit into a more TV-friendly slot. Donovan said of this move... Most of what we
1: cut is us debating rules, moving minis, things that are integral to the actual play experience, but not integral to the audience experience.
0: The first season of the show will have 22 episodes of 48 minutes each, not too dissimilar from a lot of American TV shows. The intention is to produce a show that will be accessible to an audience that's unfamiliar with the world of tabletop RPGs. Donovan said of the pitch... We made an actual play show that is entirely
1: consumable by non-TTRPG audiences, and that was on purpose. Critical Role has this massive, awesome fan base, but that fan base is like zero point five percent of the television viewing audience of America. Our pitch was: Can we get the other
0: ninety-nine point five percent to care? Encounter Party is not encompassed by the ongoing sag after strikes, as they are working under a non-dramatic media agreement. Judkins said of treating the show like TV rather than actual play. We played a safe, union-regulated workday. I think Encounter Party
1: is going to open a lot of doors. I think we can show people with this type of entertainment, if we walk in from the television door instead of walking in through the gaming door, you're going to get something different.
0: And the full article will be linked in our show notes, and it's a great breakdown of the potential future of actual play shows. You're not going to get the other 99.5% to care. No, but you might get more people to care if the episodes aren't four hours long. No, I agree
1: agree that. But it's like the other 99.5%, that's your specific target. You can please some people all the time, all the people some of the time. You cannot please all the people all the time. Also, if you're going to try and get people interested in TTRPGs, why go to your own dedicated ad-supported channel? There's tons of them up for free on YouTube, which is also free and ad-supported.
0: Yeah, but maybe they're they're planning to put this on things like Freeview on Amazon Prime, things like that. Perhaps I don't know exactly what where they're going with that. It allows it allows them to go for more TV oriented format. It also means they don't have to pay YouTube, I guess, for that hosting as well. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how this actually shakes out and what form this comes out. And, and as Jamie says, like what how how do you accept how do you access it? Do you actually watch it on your TV? How's that? How's that done? Yeah, who knows an app that you plug into your smart TV or something like that, maybe. Sorry for sounding cynical, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, it's fair
1: to be cynical. Listen, a dedicated TV channel that's supported by Wizards of the Coast? Fine. Interesting. I can see what they're doing. You know, it's yep. going to be D&D. It's going to be Magic the Gathering, we assume, very soon, as well as the D&D cartoon and, and yep. probably lots of other things. Hopefully they'll put the original D&D films on there as well, because they are great. I don't care what anyone says. They're hilarious. they may be bad, but they're hilarious. <laughs>
0: Anyway, Jamie, we're sticking with Hasbro for the next story.
1: Listen, we've got a Hasbro headline extravaganza bonanza. We do. The company that owns Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, had its third quarter earnings call recently. CEO Chris Cox and Senior Vice President Debbie Hancock were on the call. Now, some highlights from the call on the first page of their presentation, which we looked at, were Wizards of the Coast and the digital gaming segment of the company is up 40%, helped by the strong launch of the video game Baldur's Gate 3. Franchise brands grew 8% behind growth in Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, Hasbro Gaming, and Transformers. But net revenue was down 10%, operating profit up 27%. Now, on the call, Chris Cox outlined the efficiencies the company was trying to make in pursuing a strategy of fewer, bigger, better in product lines across the company. This came under their Blueprint 2.0 that we mentioned a couple of times before when discussing Hasbro's long-term strategy. Cox mentioned that Magic the Gathering grew strongly and that the recent Lord of the Rings set is still showing good performance. Now, there's no mention of specific Dungeons & Dragons products outside of the stratospheric Baldur's Gate 3. And looking over the rest of the report, it seems that Hasbro grew its share of the toy market, but the revenues in that area of the company are down. Now, admittedly, that's a lot of financial stuff. You know, we cover financial stuff on this podcast. Sometimes it sounds a bit boring, a bit confusing, but... Hasbro's toys ain't doing really good right now. No. Wizards of the Coast, Magic the Gathering and stuff,
0: gangbusters. Yeah, gaming segment is up, is running pretty strong. They're sort of toys, products, that kind of stuff. Even the Hasbro gaming segment, which includes things like Monopoly, including things like games like that, more sort of main, mainstream family games, uh, they're, they're up as well. But yeah, that, the actual sort of toys and that kind of thing. Yeah, they are growing their market share, but they're actually down in terms of actual revenue quite, quite a lot. And uh, I believe they forecast their sort of fourth quarter down as well. But just remember, this
1: is all ludicrous amounts of money that you and I mere mortals can never think to comprehend. But of course, they are our lords and masters and our betters. And of course, we must love them eternally and without reservation. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, please. I'm being
0: sarcastic. Now, Wizards of the Coast, who is owned by Hasbro, has just announced the biggest shakeup to the way it sells Magic the Gathering in the game's 29-year history. The current product line for Magic the Gathering involves two core boosters, the Set Booster and the Draft Booster. Set Boosters are less suitable for limited play format, like Draft. Now, Draft involves players opening boosters at an event and choosing cards from those boosters to craft their decks. Set Boosters first appeared in 2020, and that was when the regular booster became known as the Draft Booster. All main products for Magic the Gathering since then have had set and draft boosters. Now, Wizards of the Coast are getting rid of both set and draft boosters to introduce the Play Booster. Murders at Karloff Manor will be the first set to have these boosters, coming out in February 2024. Mark Rosewater, current head designer of Magic the Gathering, posted about the changes on the main site for the game. In that article, he describes the introduction of set boosters and how it meant that the product lines became confusing for stores and consumers. Stores ended up guessing how much Draft product they needed, often ending up with dead stock as the cycle of products spun on. The intention of the play booster seems to be to make a single product that is at once exciting for collectors to open and is usable in limited formats like Draft. While it'll make the product lines more understandable to retailers and customers, one of the upshots of these changes is that Draft will become a bit more expensive to play. Now, I reckon this might be linked to Hasbro's streaming of the company. We mentioned that fewer, bigger, better product line thing that Chris Cox was going on about in their earnings call. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that this is part of that long-term strategy. I wonder if we might see something similar for Dungeons & Dragons, the new edition when it comes out next year, whatever that edition ends up actually being called. What do you think, Jamie? Not actually
1: a new edition, okay? Or It might not be. We don't know. It's D&D Next right now, Ian. Come on.
0: Well, or um, yeah. Well, or it might not be called that, or yeah. it might be called 1D&D, or... 5th edition, 2nd
1: edition, or whatever. Uh, sorry, yeah, this is this is not Dungeons & Dragons, this is Magic the Gathering we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's a monumental shake-up. Um, overall, it does sound like
0: it's probably a good idea. Um, you know, I, I, the, I know a few stores that have been complaining about the amount of Magic the Gathering product coming out, and, yeah, the confusing product lines. So, yeah, simplifying the range seems like a good idea to me. Yeah, unfortunately, of course, it does, as we said does mean
1: things will be a bit more expensive, especially for draft play. I know there are a couple of friends who I basically go to and go, Magic the Gathering story, what's your take on it? And I'll be honest. And um, they do do draft and they're like, oh, it's a lot more fun. It's going to be a pain because
0: it's yeah. more expensive,
1: but it's the world we live in. We've got to love our masters unreservedly and without judgment.
0: But maybe it'll mean that stores don't have so much dead stock and they'll be able exactly. to support those formats better that kind of thing so yeah maybe there's an upside there as well for sure I mean, what's the release schedule on uh magic the gathering again i think it's something like quite a swift release schedule i don't i think it's three or four sets a year at the moment but yeah. i haven't i haven't really paid attention to the magic gathering release schedules for a long time sorry everyone if you came to be expecting magic the gathering that's on uh
1: card waves which is our sister podcast which will be coming out in uh 2022
0: with neither of us because neither of us plays ccgs anyway sort of Anyway, on to the rest of the news and some stories about other price rises.
1: HiZo, the publishers of the Pathfinder and Starfinder RPGs, posted a pricing update on their blog on the 18th of October. This post is from the president of the company, Jim Butler, and starts like this.
0: It's that time of year where company presidents look into the future, comparing what it costs to produce and create game products today versus what it did last year, and how those costs will change in the year to come. No one likes to raise prices, but doing so is a necessity. Paizo is not immune to economic factors like inflation, nor industry-wide fluctuations in cost of goods, labour, or shipping and logistics, and we must periodically adjust our prices to reflect rising costs. Let's break things down. Jim goes on to highlight a number of
1: price rises across their digital and physical offerings. The price changes will come into effect from April 2024 and will also apply to reprints of older products. Now, he highlights as well they'll be keeping the prices of the hardcover core books at $59.99. And that will apply to player, GM, and monster core books. They say they're doing this because...
0: We feel these books are essential first purchases for Pathfinder players and want to hold the line on price increases as long as possible to reduce the barrier of entry for new players. Jim rounds out the piece
1: by talking about the steps they take to make their products more sustainable and some changes coming. He highlights they have always used soy-based ink rather than the petroleum or vegetable-based inks normally used. He then goes on to say they are changing to Forest Stewardship Council, FSC, certified
0: paper and says... This means that the paper Paizo uses will come from ecologically sourced forests that prohibit deforestation, replacing the trees they harvest with new growth, require biodiversity and old forests to be protected, protect the rights of indigenous peoples, and ensure that Paizo has a sustainable source of paper for many years to come.
1: He says they won't switch to recycled paper due to the different look and feel, and the FSC paper is a mix of new and recycled. He finishes off by saying they are switching to using starch-packing peanuts over polystyrene in store shipments because starch-packing peanuts are biodegradable. And they're also phasing out the use of foam-packing corners to protect the corners of boxes and books. Starch-packing peanuts are a wee bit heavier, and that's obviously going to affect shipping cost and weight yeah. and obviously wet conditions because, you know, the the planet likes to get wet sometimes. I mean, it's honest for the company at least, you know, at least they're yeah. saying it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really like that they're being like upfront about the price changes coming, when they're coming in. They're 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 being very they're they're being good communicators with their community. I mean, even with
1: the nobody likes increasing prices. I'm like,
0: I'm sure somebody does. No one wants to do it, but like to maintain profitability of a company and make sure that company still exists. Yeah, sometimes you have to raise raise prices. I've done it in the bike shop I worked in a few times over the last few years because yeah, uh, the price of stuff went up, so you have to increase prices. To the customers, unfortunately. It does happen. Mm. You absorb that forever and you don't exist as a company anymore. All right, moving on from prices, time to move on to
1: awards, which is normally my job, but apparently not today.
0: Yeah, I'm taking over. In a post on Blue Sky on the sixteenth of October, twenty twenty three, Snowbright Studio publishers of the games Birds of a Feather and Harvest Hoppers announced the launch of their first annual non binary tabletop awards. The award was set up to highlight non-binary gender representation and advocacy in tabletop games. It is open to artists, writers, game designers, bloggers, podcasters, live streamers and video creators of work in the tabletop hobby. Nominated work needs to have been published between October 2022 and October 2023 and must fit into one of the following categories. Advocacy, art, content creation, game design and writing. You can nominate yourself or someone else. Nominations are open now and will close on the 17th of November, which is the date by which all entries must have been posted to Snowbright. Judging begins on the 18th of November and closes on the 1st of January 2024. Submissions will be evaluated based on their representation, support and or impact on the non-binary community. Organisations as well as individuals of any gender may be nominated as long as their work contributes to uplifting the non-binary community in tabletop games. Three exemplary submissions pulled from across all nomination categories will be selected for awards and winners will be announced in the February 2024 edition of Cozy Companion Magazine. You can enter the award using a form on the Snowbite website, a link to which we'll provide in the show notes. is
1: a fantastic award? Love it. Great to yeah. see more representation, as we keep saying. Tabletop industry likes to say that it's uh, inclusive. In, it has shown many times throughout the many episodes that we have done that it is not, and yet it is finally time that these things are getting recognition and representation and spotlighted. So fantastic! I love the Snowbright Award. I can't wait to see what games are there.
0: Indeed, yeah. Well, not just we'll, games. We'll, we'll, re, we'll definitely revisit this one when they announce the winners. Heck, yes. But Jamie, someone's stealing art on Kickstarter.
1: What a surprise. People stealing art, never. Now this is thanks to Sarah Reed from our Discord for sharing this and bringing this to our attention. There's a game book currently funding on Kickstarter called Wolf Berries. Initially it was cancelled and then resurrected shortly after. But this isn't what we want to draw your attention to, as Ian alluded to at the top of the uh, piece. The game book uses the art of Julia Jurovleva without their permission. A Twitter conversation between the artist and a user called Judgment Dave confirms this. That user also accuses the creators of being serial scammers, though at this time we cannot confirm that accusation. Now you can report projects to Kickstarter for violation of their rules and uh, we'd encourage you to do that because stealing yeah. people's art without their permission and trying to make money off it big no no, don't do it. Indeed, yeah,
0: I've reported them tell. I've reported this one myself already. So, hopefully I'll get taken down again. Get them bloody tell. Roll20, a virtual tabletop platform that enables the online playing of role-playing games, announced on 19th October 2023 in a post on Twitter the launch of their first ever bundle for software for that platform. It's in support of Extra Life. Now Extra Life is a fundraising program of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, which uses donations to benefit local member hospitals to fund what's needed most to help improve children's lives. The bundle is available on the Humble Bundle, a website which sells games, ebooks, software, and other digital content to support various charities. Roll20's bundle for the world's most popular virtual RPG tabletop features compendiums to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Dune Adventures in the Imperium, and more, and contains rules, art, lore, adventures, and more resources for use in Roll20. You also get additional Roll20 expansions and resources like Deep Magic, filled with new spells, adaptable for multiple systems, maps and tokens, and much more. The bundle also contains a one-month Roll20 Plus subscription, which unlocks additional features like uh, extra storage and dynamic lighting and that kind of thing within the program itself. The bundle's worth £293.98, but like all products on Humble Bundle, you choose how much you pay. As long as you pay a minimum of £4.10, you'll get everything that's in there. I mean, £4.10
1: at least, you'd hope you pay more, over £293. Yeah,
0: Yeah, come on. And, it, and it's for a, it's for a really good, good cause. Yeah, Humble Bundle's always worth keeping an eye on because you always get a lot of really great stuff for not very much. And you get to help a charity out as you go. Speaking of helping out, an RPG bundle on itch.io
1: has been launched in aid of organization Medical Aid for Palestine. Now, this the organization's website says,
0: Maps Vision is a future where all Palestinians can access an effective, sustainable, and locally-led system of healthcare and the full realization of their rights to health and dignity. Through our programs in the West Bank, Gaza, East Jerusalem, and Lebanon, we work with trusted and experienced local partners to achieve this vision. Our programs, designed and delivered by Palestinians, provide access to essential health services and build local knowledge and skills to address Palestinian health problems. In times of humanitarian emergency, we are ready to respond rapidly with aid and assistance. MAP is also committed to bearing witness to the injustices caused by occupation, displacement, and conflict. We speak out in the UK and internationally and ensure Palestinian voices are heard at the highest levels to press for the political and social barriers to Palestinian health and dignity to be addressed.
1: The bundle is aiming for $150,000 raised and is currently sitting at time of recording at just under $110,000. This is a major instance in the world right now. This is very, very important. There's many ways you can help. And it's an RPG bundle. Give them some money. Help them out, please.
0: We just like to take a moment to thank our patrons for continued support. Thank you so much to everyone who gives us uh, any sort, any amount of money to help uh, fund the cast and the website. Our executive producers, especially that's Kevin Bertram for Fort Circle Games, James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman of the Lot team. Thank you so much for pledging at that level. Folks, we really, really appreciate it. You can join them from just one dollar a month on our Patreon. There's various other ways to support us on the site, including lots of dice and accessories from Fanroll and uh, t-shirts from Sir Meeple. We'll put links to all of that in our show notes.
1: It's been quite a Hasbro extravaganza. We've talked a lot about, you know, Wizards of the Coast. We've talked about Magic: The Gathering. Uh, and I don't have any monopoly news, but I've got some kind of silly news for the end that's Magic the Gathering related, so you might be aware that Magic the Gathering has had a whole host of crossovers recently they've done Warhammer forty thousand they've done Lord of the Rings they're just about to do Doctor Who they've just announced Marvel, so you know if you ever wanted Marvel and Magic the Gathering well you're going to be <laughs> you're going hoop uh but recently they've revealed with their newest release or newer release lost caverns of ixalan that they are going to be having a crossover with jurassic world a whole host of those you know those films uh, but a lot of people are very excited because that also includes the original jurassic park series and of course that's going to feature everyone's favorite chaotician chaotician ian malcolm as played by jeff goldblum now i was going to do an impression i cannot do an impression of jeff goldblum as ian malcolm because um frankly i'm rubbish at it but uh it, it's still it you know it's it's interesting if you like that if you like jurassic world i mean i love jurassic park uh ian malcolm's there and it's gonna be great i mean there's other cards gonna be including of course dinosaurs some of our favorite dinosaurs it's probably gonna be the t-rex uh the velociraptors maybe the dilophosaurus possibly the uh, almost likely the indomitus rex from the first jurassic world i don't know about the others Um, John Hammond is going to be in there if you've ever read the books, John Hammond is very different in the books from what he is in the films by the way he's much more horrible and of course, Dino DNA there's going to be a lot more, don't worry but I think it's something like uh, a 1 in 12 chance of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan you'll have a 1 in 12 chance of pulling a card from your boosters, uh, depicting characters and scenes from all the films in the Jurassic World franchise, so that's giving you some idea of the uh, the rates at which you might get them, but of course, one of the cards that is, the the In Malcolm card is going to be uh, life uh, finds a way. Of course, because because of course, um, this sounds like I'm rambling, and
0: and you right. as he is, so uh, let's yes, and I am, folks. Let's let's get out of here. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rain on your podcast host of choice. You can also follow Oliver, who's usually here, but couldn't make it this week, at tabletopgamesblog.com. Uh, you can come and join our friendly community Discord. You can still find us on Twitter, just about, at The Giant Brain. Uh, we're also on Blue Sky. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It, our Instagram and Facebook is still around. Uh, our main website is, of course, giantbrain.co.uk, and You can email us about any stories you'd like us to cover or any comments you have on stories we have covered at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks very much. Look crafty styles everybody bye bye